Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Catherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you raise godly kids in an ungodly world. I'm your host, Katherine Seegers, and today's episode tackles this compelling question. How does the enemy use our culture to lead us astray? I mean, like, specifically, how are these hidden forces at work in our culture and where are they leading us? This is going to be such a good, deep, meaty topic. I'm so excited. I want to share with you an epiphany I had on the topic of culture. I don't know. It was probably about a decade ago. I was reading The Screwtape Letters by Mr. C.S. Lewis. Brilliant book. One of my top 10 favorites of all time. And, you know, it may be in my top five. It's a book that should be read over and over every couple of years. We are going to use one of Mr. Lewis's brilliant observations to see how the enemy is using our culture and has used cultures throughout history to lead people astray. You see, culture swings on a pendulum between two extremes, and the enemy is very adept at using these extremes to his advantage. He is he is masterful at hiding our vices and using a complementary virtue to reinforce what is our greatest area of weakness as a culture and as individuals. So we are going to dig deep into the topic of culture in this episode, and I will identify for you what is the greatest virtue of our culture and how the enemy is using that virtue to lead us astray. But first, I want to take a drive through history. Actually, this is going to be more of a flyover. I want us to get the bird's eye view of how culture ebbs and flows. It swings between these two extremes on the pendulum. And then we will talk about how Mr. Lewis ties these cultural extremes together for us in an unforgettable way so that we are aware of the enemy's agenda and we can teach it to our kids. That's the plan. Let's get started. You know, we talk about culture as being fallen, at least in the Christian faith and in the church. But you know, culture was, (laughs) it was never really risen. By the time society and thus culture came about, mankind had already fallen. So naturally, the culture followed Suit. Following God's plan has always been countercultural. Always. The Israelites were at the bottom of the mountain breaking all the rules while Moses was at the top of the mountain getting them. You know, God's way has never been politically correct or, or popular with the message. To use today's terminology, it was never woke. Mm hmm. Afraid not. Mm hmm. Even excessively religious cultures got it wrong. They missed the heart of God. Think of, think of the Pharisees of Jesus' day. They were jealous of Jesus, the very Messiah they had been waiting over a thousand years for. 
They didn't have the heart of God for lost people. They laid heavy burdens on the people that God never intended. They criticized Jesus for healing, for doing God's work on the Sabbath, God's day. This extremely devout religious culture murdered Jesus for threatening their power, for claiming to be who he was, which is the Son of God. Since the beginning of time, the enemy, that that sly snake, has tempted people to push culture to one end of the pendulum or the other, to be one of two extremes. Write this down if you're taking notes. Those extremes are legalism and lawlessness. The Pharisees were legalistic. So were the Catholics during the Inquisition when they forced people to convert to the faith with the threat of death. Many of the Puritans were also legalistic, which was seen in rare form during the infamous Salem witch trials. You know, I heard a fascinating, fascinating story recently on our vacation to Virginia Beach last summer. It was about the witch of Pungo. Pungo As a little town in Virginia, a woman named Grace Sherwood was accused of being a witch because she was into herbal remedies and she was a bit of an animal whisperer. And she was a widow, so she plowed her fields wearing pants horror. So she was sentenced to a trial by ducking. Now, in this kind of trial, a suspected witch would have their hands and their feet bound and they would be thrown into a river if they sunk they were innocent. If they floated, they were a witch. It was it was truly a heads-you-win, tails-I-lose kind of scenario. You can't win. Well, Grace was a, a great swimmer, so she floated, and she was able to free herself from the bindings, but this proved to her community in that legalistic culture that she was a witch. She's a witch! She's a witch! She turned me into a newt! Well, I got better. Sorry. Sorry, I have a bad habit of breaking into Monty Python from time to time. If you've seen the Holy Grail, you're probably laughing right now. Otherwise, you may be scratching your head. Uh, But, you know, this stuff really happened. It did. So they threw Grace Sherwood in jail for eight years. Not kidding. Mm -mm. But while she was in jail, her fellow citizens would visit her because she knew what herbs to use in order to cure things. Essentially, they jailed their healer for helping to heal them. (laughs) Yeah, does that sound familiar? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Culture always gets it wrong. These types of cultures were very legalistic, and they were very far from the heart of God. But we also have a lot of examples throughout history and scripture of lawless cultures, perhaps more examples. And by lawless, I don't mean without any law. Rather, I mean without a moral law, a moral truth that is consistent and unchanging. I'm talking about hedonistic cultures. Like I mentioned before, the Israelites were having a drunken orgy worshiping a golden calf while Moses was was getting the Ten Commandments at the top of the mountains from the God of the universe. The Israelites adopted the the culture of the Egyptians, and eventually the Jewish people adopted their culture from the Greeks and, and the Romans. Listen listen to this verse I was just reading in Second Kings. It's chapter 17, verse 33. It's talking about the Israelites here. It, it says, They worshipped the Lord, 
but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. Now, let's skip down to verse 40. It says, they would not listen, but persisted in their former practices. Even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. Now, listen really, really close to this next section. Here's the sobering outcome. It says, to this day, their children and grandchildren continue to do as their fathers did. Our kids face an uphill battle in this culture, no doubt, but they don't stand a chance if they don't see us, their parents, fighting this battle in front of them. Mamas and papas, you have got to stand strong if you want to see your kids stand strong. These man-made, godless, lawless cultures had a huge influence on the people of God throughout Scripture, throughout History. Back in Genesis, we see Lot, Abraham's nephew, inching closer and closer to the evil cultural centers of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he paid a heavy price. Yep, yep. His wife got (laughs) very salty. She OD'd on some sodium chloride. Look it up. And, you know, we see these lawless cultures throughout history. We see the same story played over and over And over, the Greeks were known for being hedonistic, made hedonism into an art form. Actually, actually, there is credible evidence of hedonism in India prior to and independent of the Greek influence. Hedonism, by the way, is the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain as the chief goal of human behavior. So hedonism is diametrically opposed to the Christian philosophy of life, which does not vilify pleasure by any means, but it is not the chief goal of life. And we recognize as Christians that pleasure can be and often is an idol. Furthermore, there is tremendous value and maturity that comes through our times of suffering in life, through our pain. Jesus taught us that. Hedonism results in a utilitarian ethic, which is an ends justifying the means kind of MO. And that that has resulted in some of the greatest atrocities in human history. This is not a Christian ethic. The Christian ethic prioritizes holiness, which is eternal, over happiness which is temporary and fleeting and will lead to bondage and misery if we worship it. There's nothing wrong with happiness. Like any good father, God wants us to be happy. But that is not his top priority for us, nor should it be ours. God prioritizes our health over our happiness. So in the end, pursuing happiness... In a lawless culture, as our greatest priority in life, will not yield the desired result because we will become slaves of our own pleasures, and a slave can never be free. Deep thoughts, my friends, deep thoughts. You know, so many of the warnings we see in Scripture are about not being like the cultures that surround us. So many admonitions are about being, being separate, being in, but not of Whether a culture is legalistic and clings to some puritanistic ideal of of trying to achieve holiness by some outward metrics, or whether it is lawless 
and has abandoned all pursuits of purity in favor of pleasure. Culture gets it wrong every time. It is never balanced. It is never measured. It goes back and forth and back and forth between these two extremes on the pendulum. The enemy wants us to be in bondage to legalism or lawlessness. And I I don't really think he cares which one so long as we are bound. When it comes to these extremes, you can't win. (laughs) You are like Grace Sherwood. If you sink, you die. If you float, you're a witch and you go to jail. Legalism and lawlessness are a lose-lose scenario. You know, I don't think that anyone understood this pendulum swing better than our good friend, Mr. C.S. Lewis. I've quoted him many times in this podcast. Of course, Lewis was the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. But he was also the premier Christian apologist of the 20th century. He defended the faith better than anyone. In his epic tale, The Screwtape Letters, Lewis pulls back the veil and he shows us how the enemy uses culture to lure us away from the truth, to lead us astray. Now, if you aren't familiar with this book, let me give you the necessary backdrop so you can understand what is going on here. The Screwtape Letters is a fictional correspondence written from one demon to another. Screwtape is the elder demon who is writing to his nephew, Wormwood, and he is teaching his protege how to lure a subject away from God. This this book is brilliant. It's brilliant and fascinating. By the way, Focus on the Family has an amazing audio version of this book. I'll put up a link. Well worth the investment. Love it. Love it. To give an analogy, though, reading this book is like if you were in a war, which, by the way, you are, and you were able to get your hands on your enemy's playbook, the book that contained all of his strategies to defeat you, that is what this book is like. Mm -hmm. It is fascinating and filled with incredible truths. In this book, you will see how the enemy persuades and and confuses, tempts and, and discourages us, how he influences our thinking and pushes culture to these disparate extremes. Here is some enlightening advice that Screwtape gives to his nephew on how culture works from the devil's point of view. Now, now this is a little complicated at first, but bear with me. I promise you it's all going to make sense. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. 
Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Uncle Screwtape says, The use of fashions or trends in thought is to distract men from their real dangers. Hmm? <laughs> we direct the fashionable outcry of, of each generation against those vices of which it is in the least danger and, and fix its approval on the virtue that is nearest the vice which we are trying to make endemic. <laughs> oh, the game is to, to have them all running around with fire extinguishers whenever there's a flood and all crowding to that side of the boat which is already nearly gone under. Like I said, that's a bit of a mouthful. Let me break that down for you. The enemy's plan is to have each generation, each culture focused on those vices, those, those ills or corruptions or sins that we are least likely to commit. Meanwhile, the sins that we are likely to commit, we are ignoring. Not only are we ignoring those sins, we are focusing all our attention on the virtues that reinforce our sins or vices. Let me give you a simple parenting analogy so you can see this very clearly. Say you have a kid, we'll, we'll name him Henry, and you are constantly teaching Henry about how it's bad to be irresponsible with what you own. That's a good thing to teach a kid, right? To be responsible with what, what they own. Responsibility is a virtue. But here's the problem. This particular kid, Henry, loves to take care of his things. Personal responsibility is not Henry's problem. Henry's problem is that he's selfish. He doesn't want to share. He doesn't want to bless other people with the blessings he has. Meanwhile, you have another child over here. Let's, let, I don't know, call her Lily. And Lily's parents love to preach to her about sharing and about not being selfish. And she loves that message because Lily doesn't have any problem with sharing. And she thinks that other people should share as well. So much so that she helps them sharing. By that, I mean sometimes Lily comes home with things that other people shared with her, only they didn't know it. And one day, Lily was over at Henry's house, and, and she saw some really cool, valuable old coins, and she thought Henry should share, so she helped him share. But it, it was okay, because Lily left a valuable first edition copy of a rare book at Henry's house. It was, you know, a little roughed up because she didn't take care of it. But, but when Henry found out that some of his coins were missing, he was furious. 
and he called Lily a thief because, well, she was a thief. And, and Lily was offended and became more and more convinced that she was right because she was so generous leaving that valuable book. And she called Henry a selfish hoarder, which is exactly what Henry was becoming, you know, modern day Mr. Potter, because he had to check all of his valuable coins multiple times a day to make sure that they were all there and they were all just right. And both of the vices that these kids really struggled with went unnoticed. Because their parents failed to see how the virtues they were preaching, Henry's parents only preaching about being responsible for your things, and and Lily's parents only preaching about being generous, how those virtues were feeding the vices that they really struggled with. Make sense? Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I love this. So, So now let's imagine that Henry and Lily aren't Henry and Lily. Rather... They are cultures on the opposite sides of that legalistic and lawless pendulum throughout history. They, they are the Egyptians or the, or the Pharisees or the Greeks and the Romans or the Catholics and and the Protestants or the Puritans or the French Revolutionists or the Flappers in the 1920s or a 21st century American. You get the picture. So you have these, these legalistic cultures, the cultures that want to count how many steps you take on a Sunday or want to tie up a woman and throw her into a river under the mere suspicion of witchcraft, those cultures, what would the enemy want to preach at a culture like that? As Mr. Lewis told us through Screwtape, he wants to preach the virtue nearest the vice. What virtue feeds legalism, huh? I don't know, maybe purity, holiness, keeping the law or the standard. These are all very good things in their proper place and balance. But preaching purity to a bunch of Sabbath step counters and witch hunters feeds the vice. It's preaching to poor Henry about taking personal responsibility for his things when when he really needs to learn how to share and be generous. There's nothing wrong with personal responsibility except this. It's not the message Henry needs. And a legalistic culture doesn't need to learn about keeping the law. They need to learn about grace and about not being judgmental. And what about the lawless cultures, the cultures that value pleasure and and possessions and money and stature and success above all else? And by the way, if you haven't figured out which extreme our culture veers toward, well, let's just say I'm putting all my money on our culture becoming increasingly more and more lawless. That's not to say that there aren't little pockets of legalism. There are, and I have experienced them, and I will probably address legalistic Christian circles in this podcast at some point because they can be very dangerous. But as a whole, our culture is on the lawless side of that pendulum. So what is the virtue nearest the vice of lawlessness, a culture that has abandoned the very notion of right and wrong, a a culture where truth is entirely subjective? Hmm? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe tolerance. I mean, do you ever hear our culture preaching about tolerance? Do you hear a lot of Christians preaching about tolerance as well? Is there anything worse than being intolerant these days? No, no, there isn't. Look, tolerance is a good thing. It is a virtue. But there are a few things we need to understand about tolerance. First of all, tolerance indicates the need to tolerate something. I know that should seem 
obvious, but in a culture that is constantly changing definitions, you must always define your terms. To tolerate something means that you don't agree with it. You don't endorse it. You don't justify it. Nevertheless, you tolerate it because you value that person who believes differently than you do. That is not what tolerance means to many, if not most people in our culture these days. Tolerance means agreement and justification and endorsement. But if you already agree, justify, and endorse something, you don't need to tolerate it. Can I get an amen? Seriously? Tolerance is only necessary when you don't agree, when you don't endorse, when you don't justify. But you still affirm someone's value and dignity and the right to choose their own path. That is true tolerance. Mic drop, but you know, I'm going to pick it right back up. For the second thing, we must understand about tolerance, which is the greatest virtue of our day, and I put virtue in air quotes there, is that while God tolerates our choice to sin, he gave us free will, he did, he does not tolerate sin. He can't. And we don't want him to. I've talked about this before. I think it was like episode four, is Christianity just a religion of do's and don'ts? That is one of my favorite episodes, by the way. I really love that one. Um, You know, I talk about how sin is a cancer of the soul. You don't want a doctor who tolerates cancer in your body, do you? Well, there's a little bit of cancer here in your liver and your spleen and your lungs. Oh, oh, and there's some in your brain. But, (laughs) you know, other than that, you look great. Clean bill of health. I'll see you next year. Uh, No, you won't because you won't be here next year if you don't deal with the cancer. Yeah, you know, if you had a doctor like that, you'd be getting a new doctor, wouldn't you? I should hope so. I should really hope so. Likewise, you do not want a God who would tolerate What harms you? What destroys your destiny, your very purpose for living? You do not want a God who tolerates what separates you from him, ultimately and eternally. As believers, we must be very skeptical of our culture's use of the virtue that is tolerance. This is not God's use of tolerance, nor does it accomplish a godly end. Tolerance may bring pleasure. It it certainly justifies and endorses pleasure, but it does not accomplish pleasure in the end. For what kills our destiny, our purpose for living, and what ultimately separates us from our creator will not bring pleasure. It will bring pain and bondage and ultimately death third point about tolerance. This this is really a question, actually, a series of questions. Hopefully you can see this now. Can you see why the enemy might want to preach about tolerance in a culture that has abandoned every notion of right and wrong? <laughs> can you see why being intolerant is the greatest sin of our age? Not according to God, but according to our culture. Do you see why the enemy wants to redefine this term? Do you see his agenda? Are the dots connecting? I hope they are. 
you know, with with all of this in mind, I, I want to read Lewis's quote from Screwtape one more time as we wrap this topic up with a great big bow. It's going to make a lot more sense this time and hopefully give you the same aha moment that I had. Screwtape says, The use of fashions or trends in thought is to distract men from their real dangers. Hmm? <laughs> We direct the fashionable outcry of of each generation against those vices of which it is in the least danger and and fix its approval on the virtue that is nearest the vice which we are trying to make endemic. <laughs> endemic, by the way, is just like a disease or or condition that is regularly found in a group of people. That's you know that's all that is. Oh, oh, I love the way that Lewis ends this. It's so great. He says, oh, the game is to, to have them all running around with fire extinguishers whenever there's a flood and all crowding to that side of the boat, which is already nearly gone under. That means that when we, as an increasingly hedonistic, lawless culture, preach about tolerance... We're running around with fire extinguishers during a flood. Yeah, try going into the water with one of those. You'll sink. You need a life jacket. In a flood, we are crowding to the side of the boat that is already underwater. We are preaching to little Lily about being generous with her things, only she doesn't need to be more generous with her things. She's generous enough. She's got that virtue down, and she definitely doesn't need to be more generous with other people's things. She needs to respect other people's things. She needs to hear that stealing is wrong. Just like Henry needs to hear that generosity is right. As believers, as Christian parents in this crazy world, we need to understand the enemy's ways. We must not fall prey to the world's convoluted and redefined virtues that feed our vices. We must look to God and his word to know what is true, what is valuable, what is right and just and eternal. We must recognize that either end of this pendulum, the, the end that leads us to legalism or the end that leads us to lawlessness, will lead us to bondage. But God's way, a way that properly balances our pursuit of holiness with our need for grace brings life and, and liberty and joy and fulfillment of our destiny, our very reason for existing. <laughs> yes, mamas and papas, if we can help our kids to understand these extremes, to understand how the enemy twists what seems to be a virtue, like, like tolerance or in some pockets of culture, a virtue like purity. In order to feed our vices, our, our sins, we will have neutralized a very powerful weapon that the enemy wants to use against our children and us. You know, they don't call the devil the angel of light because he glows in the dark. No, no. They call him the angel of light because he uses something good to lead us away from God. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we should become intolerant. God forbid that. I am saying that we properly define and practice tolerance. And we don't endorse what ultimately harms someone 
in order to make them feel better. Because in the end, that's the least loving thing we could possibly do. That about wraps up this series on being a countercultural Christian. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. You know, in the next episode, I'm going to lighten things up a little bit. I have a very fun podcast plan that will complement your holiday happenings. I want to look at the cultural phenomena that is Hallmark movies. You know, they get 80 million viewers every year at Christmas. 80 million people can't be wrong, or can they? (laughs) You'll have to tune in to find out. Seriously, seriously, though. While some might say that those movies are shallow and many are upset with the agenda Hallmark is pushing now, I know, trust me, I get it. I'll talk about that a bit. I think the reason that so many people watch these films, myself included, isn't shallow at all. I'm going to dust off my old acting boots for you in the next episode to provide some laughs and and maybe a few tears to give you a very timely message for the holidays. It's going to be a lot of fun. You don't want to miss it. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review and following me on Facebook and and Instagram? Oh, Oh, I know. Maybe for your next family photo, your your Christmas photo, you could all wear Christian Parent Crazy World sweatshirts or, or PJs or, or macrame sweaters. Hey, if you can knit a CPCW sweater, you go for it. That would be so cool. Oh, man. I want one. Hmm. Anyway, uh, and be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. To hear more from Catherine Seegers, visit her site, katherineseegers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app? It really does help us connect to more listeners like you. A special thanks to Kelly Gibbons, Stephen Sanders, and Stephen McGarvey for their production and editing on this episode. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.